0: This. This.
1: This. This is is mythical. Mythical.
0: The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life and sometimes sex for a long time. I'm Rhett.
1: And I'm Link. This week at the Round Table of Dim Lighting, we are wrapping up Sextember by answering your questions, comments, concerns, celebrations, curiosities that you sent to us using hashtag Ear Biscuits around Sextember, which is leaked into October. Yeah, but it, it could not it be contained. And um, we're gonna be answering some some fun questions and uh, <laughs> we'll see where this goes, but it, including but not limited to, um, have we ever experimented with each other or even thought about it?
0: Sexually, I mean, we've done sexually. lots of experiments. We've done science projects together. We do that regularly on the show, but right. have we ever experimented sexually with each other? Is it burning? burning question that we are going to answer. Are you referring to when I gave you gonorrhea? Yep, super gonorrhea. As a matter of fact, I still got it, it's a Uh, big problem. Yep, I'm just glad to not be alone in it now. Uh, Yeah, so. I don't actually, okay, whatever.
1: Maybe we'll clarify,
0: do we have gonorrhea? This whole exercise has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, We've already expressed the fact that there was a lot of trepidation going into this. Anytime we decide to pull a layer back and become honest and vulnerable about something, especially something that most people consider to be private and like, why would you talk about this publicly? Do you guys go to parties and talk about your sexual experiences? No, not typically, unless that's the point of the party. Um, but again- I have heard of these parties. I've never attended never one. Never, yeah. the But the
1: ones that uh, I've heard about, ultimately it was about selling sex toys. It was like- it was like t- a pampered
0: chef for dildos. Yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. Pampered dildos is my favorite, one of my favorite brands. Not a sponsor yet. But we did unintentionally write a song for a sex toy company during our charity live stream. Hilarious, man. Twin tail toys, I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, got their own theme song. <laughs> the but theme song did not allude to that because we didn't know that's what was happening. Just real quickly before we get into uh, this last episode of Sex Timber, thank you for all your questions. Thank you for engaging in the conversation with us. We're every, each time we decide to kind of pull back a layer is, we are confirmed in our belief that illuminating these things and being honest and vulnerable, vulnerable about them is only helpful to the community around this podcast. I think it's helpful for us to kind of be able to share these things. But what we see is that people are like, this led me to think about myself in this way or to breach this, conversation or broached, not breach, but broached this topic with my partner. And I I just believe that when you bring an illuminating light onto something, the results are positive. When you try to keep things in the dark, when you try to keep things behind closed doors, the results are just usually not good. So that's why you're like, why would you, why do you guys talk about this stuff? This just seems like a unnecessary spectacle you're doing for attention. It's like, well, we know that it gets people a little bit excited when we call something sex sextember and talk about sex for a month. But really the the heart behind it, the intention behind it is to continue to bring dialogue into uh, a subject that people are just kind of afraid to talk about that if we would just have freer conversation about this stuff, I think it could be beneficial to, to all of us. I have really enjoyed the conversations,
1: um, especially having Christy and Jesse on super proud of, of them being brave and and breaking the seal on joining the podcast and thanks for all the positive feedback that you've sent their way. Uh, and I know that they appreciate it too. And I've appreciated the experience of just feeling more freedom associated with this topic. And it's helped me undo more of and let go of even more of the baggage. I think that is the exercise of coming out of purity culture for me. Is being able to have these conversations identify when there's embarrassment or shame starts to like percolate, and then say and identify it as you know what, actually that's not, I don't have to feel that way. That's not that's not rooted in wh- where I'm at and where I'm coming from now. Mm-hmm. So I've enjoyed that part of this. I'm also glad that I haven't said anything really stupid yet that I regret. Well, we got uh, one left. Okay. Yeah, because we want this to be helpful, and the last thing I want to do is like uh, just by again the disclaimer presenting only our experiences, which are uh, in, we have individual experiences, but they're very close, but and they're very very narrow in the spectrum of experiences that people have related to their own sexuality mm-hmm. and having sex and even without the context of purity culture, but also within that. So that's still what we're presenting at this point and- This uh,
0: episode will get, you know, I, I try as much as I'm naturally prescriptive when I tr- when I talk about things and I, I try to be persuasive, I, we, we have tried to stick with, for the most part, this is our story, this is our perspective. We're gonna try to do that with these questions because some of them are just asking us, oh, could you clarify this? Could you answer mm-hmm. this question? about your personal life. But some of it is, how do you think about this thing now? And so again, this is our perspective at this point. Our perspective has changed quite a bit True. about so many things over the course of our lives and I expect that it will continue to change. It's pretty fluid and, and, and evolves, but this is where we're at now on these things. So, And I think that as I said with Christian and Jesse,
1: like because sex is not the thing that it's 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 not just a topic that comes up all the time within the the uh trajectory of my spiritual deconstruction and my entire worldview shifting and I wouldn't say my lifestyle hasn't shifted but the but the foundations of it have shifted practically it plays out pretty similarly i'm still i'm I'm an evolving link but there's still a lot of me that's still the same but as I've come to grips with self-discovery and the new me, I think that sex views on sex lag uh, at least a little because there's only certain times when it's appropriate to talk about it. And mm-hmm. it's not as it versus other beliefs, like whether that's how do you interact with hell or et cetera. So I, I will very much acknowledge I'm still on an active journey of refiguring this shit out. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into it. Kimbo Jimbo asked us, do you think your strict upbringing limiting you to one sexual partner for you and your wives was a good thing now 20 years into marriage? Or do you wish you had more experience
0: going into it? One of the ways that I process this question is, do I want the current reality to be different? And that's an easy no. And for me, and I know this might not be the case for everybody for me, that's no. Like I am very happy with my relationship with Jesse. I'm very happy with our sexual relationship. We have a vibrant and fulfilling sexual relationship and our communication about that is open. And I think we it has our sexual relationship has evolved and gotten better over time, as we said in the last episode. I feel like we're having the best sex that we've that we've ever had. Now, so the idea of going back and being like, oh, would you like to bring more sexual experience into your marriage? My answer is, well, I can't answer that question in a, in because I'm happy with how it turned out. But I don't, again, I don't think that is for me a prescriptive thing to be like, so therefore you also should not bring any sexual experience and you should also bring a uh, complete sexual or a lot of sexual ignorance into your relationship and just figure it out together. For us, because of the nature of our relationship and the nature of our communication style, and also kind of our sexual disposition, we were able to grow together in kind of a beautiful way, but there's just as many, if not more examples, just from like my anecdotal evidence that is out there of people who didn't bring any sexual experience into the marriage and then because of some personality stuff or some specific hangups, that lack of experience and lack of comfort with each other sexually led to maybe years and years of sexual non-satisfaction or maybe like no sex at all. So I can only speak from my own experience, I would not go back and change it. Uh, Yeah, I, I feel
1: the same way. I think that because Christy and I were, we were comfortable, like really learning about sex together and being open and communicative about it. It 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 didn't didn't end up being a problem. It actually became fun for us to learn together. And I think you know I remember there were these like the conversations we had before our wedding night. It's like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up oral sex, and it's like, what if she says she's like grossed out by it? Like I'm a uh, I'm a little afraid because I mean I guess I've heard of that from people, so I and You've I heard of oral sex. I'm really so, I've so heard of people being
0: grossed out by it. Yeah,
1: people <laughs> being grossed out by it. So I'm like, I really hope that she's not. And I remember that moment of like, I'm gonna I, I'd rather know now than have to figure it out when I'm like I want to go go in for it. Go down on Go it. Go down on it, yeah. Uh, or, and vice versa, and hope for that. If you're upside down, it's going I up. I was relieved that we were we were both excited and open to that. Just, do, you know, just the future was spread out before us. So we were compatible in that way. And so we, but if not, that would have required more work. So it was, we had fun learning each other, but the fact is we had a lot to learn about ourselves too. And, It just kind of made it, that that made it part of our story. I think the other way you could, maybe this is not the specific question, but another question that kind of goes along with it is, is there regrets just personally? Like, do I wish I would have had more experience, not so it would have made me a better lover or so it wouldn't have helped our relationship, but it's just like, hey, I only had sex with one woman ever. I'm curious about that. I'm curious about what it would be like to be with another partner. Of course. I mean, I I just am. And it's kind of like when I'm on my deathbed and I'm like, you know, I never saw the Eiffel Tower. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, would I have liked to have seen the Eiffel Tower if the circumstances were right for that? Well, a better analogy
0: would be like, is there a famous cave of some kind? Okay, yeah. uh, What's the most famous cave in the world? Because I'm trying to make an analogy for a vagina. You got the Linville Caverns, which are not that famous. And I've been to them. <laughs> it was kind them? of a disappointment. Okay, see, there you
1: go. <laughs> it's like sometimes it's not. i never in your been, mind. It's built. I've up never
0: around. gone through the that tunnel underneath the English Channel. Boy, I'd like to do that. But you
1: know what? I'm I'm sitting here dying on my deathbed. That's why it's called a deathbed. It's really just my bed. But now that I'm dying, we're calling it a deathbed. And I'm saying you know what, I'm I'm grateful for the life I lived and I can see the beauty in the tunnel that I did frequent. <laughs> and I don't, I and I can still be honest and say, what I've, is the idea of visiting another tunnel appealing or intriguing? Yes, but I have no regrets in not going there because hey, you can't do everything in life. You can't see all the sights and, by seeing those sites, you don't know what ramifications that would have in who you are as a person and your experience, and it might would have really screwed up the the cozy experience that I've come to know and love
0: and covet that is my our own tunnel right basically again, it kind of relates to the way I was thinking about the question is like in the context of my own personal experience right and the in the tunnel that I frequent. <laughs> The the prospect of other tunnels will because I am a normal well I don't say normal because I am a sexually active and sexually motivated man. Um, yes, the idea of other tunnels is appealing, and, and I wouldn't even say man; I'd say person. Person. Well, I'm just speaking from my own experience is always going to be appealing, and my wife understands that. Like, we're not one of those couples that the idea or even a conversation about being attracted to someone else, I mean, hell, I dressed up like Jason Momoa for her birthday because she is sexually attracted to Jason Momoa, and I know that, I get that, I appreciate that, and my way of responding to that was to become Jason Momoa for her birthday, right? I,
1: I I thought it was funny. I didn't, you know, I played up in the video that like, I was like, I can't believe that I'm the wingman in this thing. It's like, this is ridiculous because it's, because it's funny. I will say in the past, like years before that, maybe decades earlier, um, I would feel uncomfortable when you and Jesse would talk openly about your like celebrity crushes, for example or saying things in conversation about how how hot you thought somebody else was. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to realize that for me, some of that discomfort was, well, first of all, I'd realized that th- that would translate into judgment of you. But that was really, a, I came to realize a defense mechanism covering up the root of my response, which was tied into abandonment issues and security issues. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't wanna, you know, if Christy brought up something, it might trigger in me an insecurity that like, oh, she made a joke about Keith Urban, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I'm like, does that scare me? Does that threaten me? Does that tap into something deep inside of me that like, just a, an honest statement about acknowledging that somebody's attractive, all of a sudden means a whole lot to me. Mm. But exploring it leads to growth. So it's, it's I, I think I've been a little envious that you, you you could speak openly about that because you didn't have that hang up, but it, it brings up something that I actually do need to work. If a, abandonment issues is something that I, I am working on, and, but it takes acknowledging that. So, it, and it happened within that process a little bit. Of course, a lot of other things too. Getting to a point, where you can have open conversations, we can be honest about within the context of your relationship about like the the human feelings, desires and urges you have. But then like acknowledging that and then saying, but this is this is what I'm doing because I love and prioritize you and this is what the decisions we've made as a couple. You know, it's it's much it's very rewarding to have those conversations, it's difficult and it's scary, but it's better than just keeping it to yourself and then th- your partner's walking on eggshells about things.
0: Yeah. You know, so I. Well, in that sacrifice, there there is a, a sac, because I think the old Rhett who is listening to the new Rhett would be like, oh, he's setting himself up to be able to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. Right? Mm hmm. Literally. That is not the case. It's, it's, ba- it's it's moving to the health framework, like I said, it can be a little bit more complicated and complex because it varies from person to person. That's one of the biggest shifts that's happened as my worldview has changed. Moving from a place where you believe there is an objective morality that applies to everyone in every circumstance, and it's a one size fits all, to understanding that individual decisions, and it definitely, this is more of a postmodern way of thinking about things, but you are a specific person with a perspective, specific perspective in a specific place in time. And what's most healthy for you is not gonna be the same as it was for somebody else at a different place in time. And I just think that the idea that, that doesn't mean that now you do whatever you want to because I'm in the context of a relationship with Jesse, and I don't get to do whatever I want to do, right? She doesn't get to do whatever she wants to do because we are in a relationship that involves commitment and compromise, right? You don't, you don't just get to be like, I have a desire, therefore I go and fulfill it. And that's the end of the story. It's like, no, everyone has desires that you need to keep in check. And that might be ex- understood and explained in a religious context for a lot of people. But that is just a, that's how human, um, that's how civilization functions is by b- there being cooperation and compromise. So ultimately the idea of like, I've got this, this thing that oh this seems like it would be fun, but would it be best? Would this be good for me? Would this be good for us? Like right. that and be in what kind of to piggyback off of what you're saying bringing those things out into the open and being like, "Well, this actually does seem fun to me or this I'm interested in this," having that conversation as a couple so you can at least acknowledge it so it's not just something that's festering and growing on one side of the relationship and then somebody breaks it out and says, "I want to do this," and you're like, "Well, I wasn't ready for this," and you're already already committed to it in your mind and there's no coming back from it. That's a problem. And that will and, and I think that's why so often in the relationships that that I've seen where people have tried to sort of redefine the nature of their relationship, Hmm. they haven't ended well because the communication broke down at an early stage or the compromise ended at some point. Ear Biscuits is supported by Mountain Dew. We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year, but isn't it time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game. With
1: the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast, you can be having a blast
0: anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic. Okay. Having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you and for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so do not wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary. Open to US residents 18 and over, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15th, 2024, void where prohibited. Okay, Murphy Murphy asks, how did you approach the talk with your kids? Well, interestingly, I recorded it. <laughs> i recorded my talk. You. We, just, let's just break this, seal. I'm gonna can play. I, can, but when you do this, then my story will not be as good. So I should tell my story first. You wanna first. tell your story first? Okay. Yeah,
1: because I mean, you've got a freaking recording
0: I'm you, not gonna play the whole talk. I was just gonna just I was gonna you're talking just, to Locke, just get into the conversation
1: with it, but go ahead, yeah, so before we play your recording, which uh cannot be topped, <laughs> uh I'll just go ahead and give a precursor. I remember Christy and I decided hey, we need to talk to the kids about sex, I mean the older kids, Lily and Lincoln. Lando was uh too young to have like a detailed conversation of anything of that nature, but we were sitting down at the dinner table. And I don't know if we had agreed that that, that that this was the particular time. I think I just brought it up. I was like dinner table, huh? Yeah, we had eaten dinner, and then the the table was cleared, and then I like gave Christy a look, if I remember correctly. You made a you did a sex talk as a family? Yes, without Lando being there. Uh, yeah, I think Lando was dismissed from the table. He wasn't there. He even if he was there, I don't think he he would have cared. Um, so yeah, we Lily and Lincoln are two years difference. Um, this is when we lived in the old house, the previous house when we had just moved in there. So this might have been. Uh, let's see if this was eight years ago. They were ten and eight, so they were probably nine and eleven. Because I know that you you told me that Locke was nine when you had the recorded conversation with him. 2013. So I'm sure we were talking about it and I was like, oh shit, I I need to have this conversation too. And Chrissy and I were talking about it. Had it at the dinner table. I don't remember how it started because I didn't record it. (laughs) I wish I would have. (laughs) You should have. Um, Yeah, because you only have, if you do it right, you only have to do it once. That's not actually true. And then you just play
0: the, play it for your other kids. That's right. You just right. play the recording.
1: Well, the sex talk is just whatever their, our approach was, if they're, you, you bring up the topic and then as much as they're interested and curious, you engage their curiosity and you answer their questions, but you can kind of, we knew we would kind of feel out when would be the point where they were no longer interested. And then, in subsequent conversations. And that's when it gets good, when they, they don't
0: wanna want, want hear anymore. They would get
1: more information. <laughs> so it was kind of breaking the seal on us being able to talk about sex whenever it needed to come up. It wasn't a one and done deal. Right, that's this a good, was, good strategy. Um So I know that was our mentality. I can't remember a lot of what we said, but I do remember very early on talking about like the mechanics of a penis goes into a vagina, and then a baby is made in the woman, and you, you, then it started to make sense. And I do remember using the finger going into the hole
0: created in the fist symbol. You mean the Eiffel Tower going into the tunnel underneath the uh, English Channel? Yeah, so really is what this is. But I no. made this symbol. Which I don't. Could it fit? Probably could. I think the Eiffel Tower is way I too looked wide. over at
1: Christy, and the symbol she was making was. Palms over face, not a hand not, not pointed what you want. towards the kitchen table. No, not what you want to communicate. Like just like <laughs> double double face palm, looking down. Yeah. But I was like, "This is going to be awkward. Let's go all the way." And so we were talking about it, and then it kind of gave them, Christy and I both kind of. She kind of clarified and corrected my mistakes. I was probably not right about everything. And then the yeah, first, it's, it's not a finger, and they weren't saying anything. And then we were like, well, what do you think? Do you have any questions? And there was silence until Lincoln spoke up and said, awkward. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I'm sure <laughs> that was it was. It. You, and then it was. But, like, you, but you talking about anything with your family is kind of awkward. Awkward. Much less sex.
1: Yeah. So it's, I mean, I've. I think all of my interactions have uh, have felt like a sex talk with my kids.
0: So, how many sex dinners have you had since then?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, I think it it again as we talked about last week. It's more of this mentality of like if sex comes up, the words shouldn't be whispered, and we're, let's just these are legitimate questions. Let's respond to them as
0: you are curious. Which I think is a, which I think is an excellent approach. I also think until ex- you get to be a teenager. And then you've got to you got to go to a next level,
1: but we can. But talk an about excellent that next. also
0: an excellent approach is just to record record your talk with your kid. Um, I did this because I thought that it would be funny to listen to later, and here we here we are nine years later. Um, he will, did give permission, right? Uh, no, he, oh oh yeah oh, yeah not in, not in the in the time, but yes, now he has. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, I'm saying yes. I told Locke that I was going to play a portion of this. He was like, "That's fine." Um, so I do want to preface this by saying so. This is. August of twenty thirteen, and I'm thinking about where I was at in my spiritual life. Twenty thirteen is really the year when I stopped considering myself a Christian. Sort of the end of twenty twelve was when I was having my most sort of like intense. Like I just don't think I can keep believing this yeah. fundamentally. Like the fun, the fundamental underpinnings of Jesus being the Son of God and raising from the dead and all this. And yeah, I've been through that whole story, but kind of what you were saying earlier. A Christian sexual ethic was. I hadn't even now. I hadn't for many years. I'd been uncomfortable with the idea that I I wasn't. I was uncomfortable with Christians who believed that, you know, being gay was wrong. I'd kind of. I that ship had sailed for for both of us. Right. But still, as I thought about my own kids and I thought about the sex talk, it was very heteronormative like I'm going to talk about a man and a woman, I'm going to talk about a penis and a vagina and I'm gonna talk about procreation and that's what the talk's gonna be. Yeah. And I'm also gonna say, I'm not gonna play the whole thing, I'm gonna play a couple of minutes, it's, it, it's, it's longer than that. But I also it was like, and this is something that you should wait to do until you get married. Like I was still saying those things to Locke at this time nine years ago when I was pr- presenting this. Uh, so I just wanna acknowledge that, that I think now a sex talk would kind of be like, hey, here's sort of the procreation side of the sex talk and how that works between a penis and a vagina and a sperm and an egg and the uterus and all that stuff. But hey, here's a different conversation or an addendum to that conversation, which talks about sexuality and a spectrum and that kind of thing. That wasn't where I was at at the time. And so my sex talk reflects that. Just wanted to acknowledge that. Yep, me too, same in the same place. Uh, So I'll just play this. Okay. You said you told Mom that you wanted to know about how a man and a woman make a baby. What? Now tell me. What, what did you? What did you say? What are you wondering about?
2: How they do it. It's not like we can just have one and they have to form a certain way.
0: Has to form a certain way.
2: Formed form from something.
0: All right. Well, you tell me how you think it works.
2: When the man and the woman marry somehow, they
0: have a baby. Well, how do you think it
2: happens? The DNA mixes from them. Nothing how does that happen? I don't know.
1: Pause it. Just guess. So basically your sex talk so far with Locke is you trying to get him to tell you how babies are made. Did you not know?
0: Uh, yeah, I needed to have some help on that. It's kind of ironic. Well, my strategy here was, uh, I know I'm recording this and so this will be a funny way to start it. Yeah. <laughs> to get his perspective, but it also gets him engaged in the conversation. Gets him yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would the DNA mix? Cause that's kind of true.
2: And they kiss?
0: Hmm. Well, okay.
2: Some physical reaction?
0: A physical reaction?
2: I'm
0: not have no idea. Okay. This. This is going to blow your mind. Okay? Okay. And it may be a little bit embarrassing to talk about, but listen, look at me. You can talk about anything with me. I'm your dad. And I know a lot of things. Okay. Okay. Now you know that you have a penis.
2: Aww. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: not funny. You have a penis, right? Right. Okay. Do girls do girls have a penis? What what
2: do girls have? And like Hmm. What do you think they have? They must have something like a wiener at least.
0: Well. (laughs) At least. You know how you have a penis, which is like (laughs) a little finger down there. (laughs) Do you know what they have?
2: They have like a hole right there?
0: Yes. They have a hole called a vagina. God. Okay. And the way that God designed this is that when a man and woman get married, they can, well basically, the the easiest way to say this is the man puts his penis. The finger. Inside of the woman's vagina. (laughs) It sounds crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> Did you have any idea about this?
2: No way! <laughs> I never even thought of this my whole life.
0: You never thought about this?
2: <laughs> I never thought I'd have to go. Okay. <laughs> now, listen.
0: When you get older—not right now—but when you get older, not right now, but when you get older um, there's there's something other than pee that can come out of your penis. And it's called sperm.
2: What's sperm?
0: It has your DNA in it. Okay, I'm not gonna give you the whole sex talk. Wow. He thought it was
1: hilarious, not awkward, which is great. I mean, you got over, the, hey, that was, a, that was a good job. And he, you know, like I think, it, like I said at the beginning, like he he had been asking, I love the fact that you were asking him the questions because once you tell him the answer, you can no longer get the, comp- the full answer because it's gonna be informed by the real answer. So that's the takeaway. If I had to do it again, I would have totally gotten them to commit in the way that
0: you did because well, that was that The was reason great. we had the talk is because Locke has always been super inquisitive and was asking lots of questions. I mean, there were yeah. multiple questions for like multiple months. And Jesse was like, we have to have this talk. And again, as you heard right there, I was like, God, When this is how God designed it. And it's, you know, when a man and a woman are in the context of marriage, I mean, that was, again, I wasn't even calling myself a Christian at that point, but I was still in a place where it's like, I don't have a new way of thinking about this. And so I'm not about to start telling something different to my kids and, and Jesse it, was in a different place as well. She was still She was still calling herself a Christian at that time. Making it just about how babies
1: are made, really simplified it and it reinforced The yeah, just the whole uh, heteronormative way of thinking about things that we were yeah, like you said, very much coming out of. But it was like, oh my god, how does it relate to a sex talk? Was not the first thing we were trying to figure out when you're talking about our eternal destiny, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and it was all happening at the same time. You're right.
0: That was that was in the thick of it. Yeah, and and then as you think about the you know, Shepard, who was five years younger, but also very different. He wasn't asking all those questions. And so- My kids never ask any questions. The thing that happened, that sort of happened with Shepard is there wasn't a moment. It was more like older brother Mm -hmm. and also a a household where we were talking openly about things and as Lot got older, talking more openly and it was like, okay, he's here and he's witnessing these conversations and piecing things together and so, he just kind of figured out as we talked about things in, in more detail. But the interesting thing is, I think this kind of ties into some of the stuff that we talked about with Jesse and Christy of how has this conversation evolved as our as our framework has evolved. And I, I mean, I'm not going to answer the question again, but I mean, just briefly, ultimately, this has turned into a thing where it's just like, as opposed to the way that it was. Uh, kind of for us, which is like, you've got to protect kids from sex and you've got to protect your children from, you got to tell, tell them a very particular thing, but you want to kind of keep them from messing themselves up. I think that the mentality now is like, how can I give as much of the correct information about sex to my kids? And how can I, I'm not saying I'm not gonna give them advice but i'm not telling my kids uh, i i'm not i no longer have the ideological framework that says you should wait until you get married to have sex but i'm not in a place where i'm like sex means nothing and so therefore have it wherever you want to at any time no consequences no questions asked um but so it's so it's this ongoing conversation that we continue to have kind of to your point which is this isn't something that we talked about once this is something that we talk about Quite a bit in our house now,
1: yeah, I think um, it's always fun to figure out Shh. this parenting stuff, yeah,
0: Earbiscus is supported by the farmer's dog, dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them, and if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters that that woman is crazy <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, So it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls.
1: Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense.
0: Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value.
1: Uh, Andrew asks us, did you have any go-to music when you started to have sex? And are there any songs you've listened to now when getting it on? All right, so a lighter question here. Um, I was listening to, this sounds tropish, but we had a Barry White CD. Mm It was like greatest hits and there were certain, I, I would put it on at the top and then somehow, then I would have a point of reference with how how mu- how involved our lovemaking session was by how far we got into the CD. And it would actually help, I would pace myself to the tracks, because it's like, oh, I, I wanna get- thrust to the beat? Well, is that what you mean? Well, first of all, Barry White music is absolutely made to be thrust to. Yeah, and you can double time it too. Oh my God, I, it, that's what, The music is made for, and it's a, it's a brilliant experience. I mean, he's so good at it, but it also is a little bit comical and ironic. Yeah, it's now, yeah. So it's because that's because that's my. I haven't gone back to Barry White in a while, but I I might break it back
0: out now. When we started uh, using music in our sexual, uh, you know, liaisons, which was we right from the beginning, like we had like a little music player or something on our honeymoon. Um, For some reason, Gypsy Kings. Remember, you know that band? Oh yes. That was just like, we. there was something about it that it wasn't like sort of like cheesy and ironic it's in the sensual. way that like Barry White might be now. It was, this feels like we're on vacation in a foreign country and there's a bunch of people on stage with a bunch of different instruments s- sort of singing things that we can't really understand. We don't want to understand it. We just want to be spe- speaking the language of love.
1: I recommend specifically their album called Love Songs, which I, which is the one, um, I, we listen to oh, Gypsy Oh, you King. actually, you had
0: Gypsy Kings pulled up. You I were ready it, for well, this.
1: Yeah, Love Songs it starts off with, more some other words in Spanish
0: it's it's perfect but we actually don't listen to like we don't do that anymore because we wore that out so much um this is be- yeah. this has actually become a little bit of a I'm interested in your perspective we haven't talked about this I'm interested in your perspective now because with Spotify playlist which I'm not great at collecting things and I kind of see playlists as collecting things because it like takes this effort and this extra layer of thought. And so I'm using other people's playlists and no one ever gets the vibe that I'm interested in and Jesse is interested in, right? Because Jesse and I, and and Jesse really doesn't want the like this is somebody singing about sex. Like it's like, it just gets a little bit like cheesy and you know what I'm saying? Like it can be distracting in the least. Uh, and then there are some like there are some couples that I think that's why that's why other languages are great. We'll use like hard rock music, something like Fight Club, like with their, that scene in Fight Club where she comes out with the rubber glove on or whatever, and they're like listening. To, like, in my mind, they're listening to like this hard rock music. Like we've never we've never done that either. But then sometimes it can get too like if you want to play like Al Green, it could be like. Well, Algreen's not bad, actually it's pretty good. Sometimes it gets a little too sweet. I yeah, want some, it's not made for that. I want to, want there's a sweet spot for me, which is just like, there's a little bit of sensual and there's a little bit of sweetness, but also we're both animals. You know what I'm saying? And that's a hard playlist to create and I just haven't found it yet. Are you asking me to create it for you? Uh, no, I'm just asking you how you well, like, what is your, what is the genre at this point? I, is it I need slow to, jams? I need to do it for myself
1: too, because the slow jams that go, I, I don't really like that like, 90s
0: slow jam stuff. Well, then so, you end up getting R. Kelly songs in there and that's problematic and you're like, oh, we can't put, you can't do that. You don't want R. Kelly songs in there. I
1: go to the R&B genre and then cl- I, I, if I gotta make a quick decision, I'll just go back to the soul playlist within the R, R&B but it's like modern, current. So you might get some- Give me an uh, artist. Um, like a usher? No, he's not current. Well, he's 20 years, 15, 20 years, I yeah. guess. But he's I- I'm, def- I'm talking about right now. Like actually current. Like a, you got a little bit of SZA, you got the right song, and then you've got some uh, um, sh- Beyonce's sister. I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. Solange. Solange, I'm sorry, Solange. I know you hate that girl. And I I take it back, and we know you're
0: listening. So Salons so yeah. has got
1: some got some got some good stuff, um, and those things start to Lucky Day with an E on the end. He's he's a current R and B artist that you can get some good stuff from. But they're not creating entire albums that are just for sex like Barry White did. So I, I do need to create my own playlist, and uh, I'll share it with you. And then you can move it around so you can pace yourself, and then measure. It's like all right, this is this is how I want to. Yeah, you know, i I like to think of it like that. Sometimes you just gotta like, do you, I mean, don't you do that? Sometimes you're like, all right, slow down, change yeah. it up. Well, you gotta, ke- let's keep, this is not gonna. I think what you're getting is at gonna, is well, the, wanna, the number last of while. songs
0: helps you understand like how long you've been going and make sure that you're not moving too fast. Right. Now I told you about my smart situation that I had with the lights and everything. So yeah. if I say, hey, Google, it's business time. It does start a playlist that I made and it also turns all the lights red. Hmm. Uh, which is pretty exciting for me. It's like I feel like I'm infrared. Everything looks a little bit different.
1: Yeah. Well, the internet is currently out of my house, and
0: so you have to beatbox. So
1: make sure you save a sex playlist to your your locally. So if the internet goes out, you still got that music is very important for us because we're. I mean. The way our house is configured, it's very nice that our bedroom is like isolated from everybody else's bedroom and the rest of the house. So, I mean, the we we're running interference on like kids coming and knocking on the door or like hearing us.
0: But the music. So but the, the music, kids know the music means you're having sex.
1: We I don't know. Uh, we've never we never had a conversation with our kids about like you know we have sex like Christy didn't we we don't talk to to Lily about that now, I mean, she's out of the house and it's like, by the way, next week I'm gonna, I, is when I'm gonna talk about the whole experience of Lily, Lily leaving home, sending our first child off to college. We're not gonna be talking about sex next week, but hey, that, that's gonna be a good one, so come on back, you sex fiends. Oh, well. Um, I don't know if my, my kids have been very naive about all that, but I know we got a friend who's like, I tell my kids, we're mom and I are going to have sex, and that way we don't have to worry about them knocking on the door. And I kind of wish I would have done haven't that. Done, we haven't done
0: that, but I think our kids know.
1: So, and our door doesn't lock right, as I've as I've established. But music has been important. But last night, the Lando was at your house with Shepard. Mm-hmm. Of course, Lily's gone now, and Lincoln was at a um a meeting, and it was the first time at night, I was like, whoa, nobody's here, it's just us. It's like, we don't even need to play music, even though we don't have internet, played a little music, but like, it, we never have the house to ourselves. So we have, and we have this commitment to making it work anyway, but like, I was like, man, I'm gonna yell! Like, we were in the midst of it and I'm like, I'm, I can yell at the top of my lungs! I was, I was literally sex yelling because it was the first time well, You weren't making like in as long as I can remember. Pleasure
0: noises, you were literally saying what you just said?
1: A little bit of, I didn't say, this is still free. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was like, yeah, I mean, we we talked during sex and we somehow, some, I, I did it because it was funny. Like she was laughing and well, I was like, I can yell on top of my lungs and no one can hear me. I'm having sex in my own home. This is exactly what I was yelling last night well, while having
0: sex. Your neighbors heard you, which is fine. I think that married couples develop a way, I mean, if you wanna talk about it explicitly, it's just like- I do. The moment of orgasm, which you know uh, can typically be very loud. Married couples with children yeah. have a way of it basically climaxing and it's just all in the face. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, y- you could definitely like dub this and you would think they were making noise, but really they're just going, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you yeah. could put a grunt and some moans under there, but they're not doing it because they've been trained to not make that much noise. But then you go on vacation and there's this adjustment period to be like, oh no, no, we can actually, we can make noise now because our children are not here. But you've gotten used to, I mean, the, the, the sex can be very intense, but still you're kind of like mouthing noises versus making noises. Yeah, And I think there's a transition, especially and when the kids leave for good, I think there will, that we will become louder and louder. Uh, yeah.
1: Even last night, I was like, man, I'm, we're really missing out on this, the, the vocalizations. Yeah. Oh.
2: It does make a difference. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes.
0: You are tall and your wife is not. Does this present any sexual challenges and or opportunities? (laughs) Um, You know what, Uh, I don't think it presents either. I'm interested in the opportunities, uh, but I have not run into the challenges. Just to be quite frank with you, and I don't know what it is about, I mean, I am six, seven and she is five, three, (laughs) but- um, Certain things have to line up.
1: But that means other things won't line up. Like your, if nope. if, you, if your twig and berries are lining up would
0: you, with the tunnel, would you be surprised? Is gonna line up. Would you be surprised to know that uh, we can be fully connected? And when I say fully connected, what I mean is my penis will be in her vagina. Great. And we can be kissing at the same time. Would you be surprised to know that that's possible? Definitely. Well, we do it all the time. Uh,
1: are you in some like is like some kind of like. Uh cow yoga think position?
0: Of, think about your necks. So first of all, I have a back that can bend a little bit and I have a head and she has a head and we both have necks. And so if I'm bent a little bit and sh- she's like this and I'm like this, mouth t- tongue action. So we can be making out and screwing at the same time and do that on a regular basis. And it has never presented it. Now if also because your height difference is over the course of your whole body. So if there is a, what is that difference? A 14, 16 inches difference? It's spread out proportionally. Yeah, it's not like there's a 16 inch difference between where my penis and my mouth is. If your big toe was your penis. That difference is from my head to my toe. Yeah. So there's probably only, I'm only probably accommodating for like seven or eight inches of difference between my penis and my (laughs) mouth, just to get geometric about it. And then I'm bending and there's yeah. So but to answer your question, is the is the height difference an issue? And it has not been an issue for us. I hear that loud and clear. All right. Let's talk about us.
1: Um Toxic Tonic asks, uh, have you guys ever experimented with each other or even thought about it? Um, first of all, thanks for asking because I think that apparently there is a there's a lot of people who want to know this and speculate and I don't know if this is just a Tumblr thing, but it, definitely are. It's concentrated they, it, at Tumblr. They want to like assert it
0: as a reality, right? It's not a. It's, not, it's beyond speculation. It's an assertion that this is yeah. a definite reality.
1: And there's, of course, there's fan fiction written about us that then our crew
0: has gotten us to, to read to. Uh, and I'm uh, hesitant. The, the reason, the only reason I'm hesitant to answer this question, is because I actually think the fact that people. Firmly believe that we're having sex with each other might be the reason that they're fans, um, and so I I really appreciate fans, <laughs> and so yeah, I don't want to lose any fans. Well, but we I mean we we're
1: committed to being honest here, right? We got and be I want to explore this completely, but uh, the simple answer first is w- we have not experimented with each other. Uh, I've never experimented um, with with anybody
0: once I've seen your penis a couple of times. Oh like wow. You, you, like maybe we skinny dipped a few times with friends. Yeah. Uh over the years. I mean talking about like high school Yeah, I've seen few, I've seen many of my friends' wieners. Uh you know, we've urinated next to each other. Um I've never seen your erect penis. I, I've <laughs> never seen
1: yours either. But uh yeah, it was uh it was flaccid.
0: I, here's when what, I happened here's to here's catch what I a glimpse will, of it. Here's what I will say. The most physical that we have been with each other, you've already seen it on the internet. Like we definitely we've cuddled with each other, we've gotten close to kissing each other. We may I don't have we kissed each other on GMM. I don't know. No, I've kissed Chase on GMM. Um, right. There,
1: well, we had a we we like kissed with a with glass in between us. We Kissed with glass in between us, um, but it was very quick and it wasn't.
0: I w- it wasn't something but that th- we were excited the about. The closest that we've been to each other physically has been something that has already been broadcast on the internet. And yeah, um, there's lots of there's photos, there's many photos out there of us kissing that are people taking things that have happened Photoshop. on GMM and photoshopping them together, and they're very convincing and look very real. Yeah, um,
1: but we've never done that. But it's, so I'll go a step further and say I'll just speak for myself. Yeah, d- yeah, speak I'll for let yourself. You speak for yourself. Yeah, um, I. It's just never crossed my mind I mean it just, honestly has never crossed my mind. I think people who think that we're uh they they experience our bond of friendship and they want it they 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 see how meaningful it is and i i the way that I make sense of it in the fan fiction is that it is a it's taking something that is is very real, which is our friendship our best friendship bond and connection and there is a there is a friendship platonic intimacy associated with that and it
0: is an unusual and very intense and long friendship absolutely and then people
1: want to say well it for some people to make sense of that they say that there must be a, an unspoken or not public romantic or uh, attraction sexual element from my perspective it's just never crossed my mind. I've never and I've never observed uh desires welling up within myself to uh of of attraction to you. I got to say I'm a little disappointed. I'm sorry. Uh but I will say I do a
0: lot to try to make myself uh attractive.
1: But that statement also applies to any other guy. Straight, gay, whatever. I just, I, I've never observed within myself. You're not even desi- attracted to like Jude Law. No, no, I'm not. I, I, I've not experienced any sexual attraction to uh, another guy. And I think people, people who see our relationship, they just, they want to make sense of it. And and but it, people also desire for because we have this intimate friendship, they desire for us to, for it to for it. There's a fantasy that for it to really be to go all the way, it has to be romantic, Mm -hmm. if not sexual. Yeah. And I mean, I, I I don't I actually I don't I don't know. Like I don't I don't know either, but I do think that like it's an opportunity to say, you know what? You can you can be in a devoted, intimate friendship and it never come close to having a romantic or sexual element because that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. And I think that that is the, that is something that we're very proud of and that we've come to grips with being a cornerstone of why people want to, want to Wait, enjoy our- When you our, say proud of, what our, do you mean? I'm proud You're of- You're not proud of not being gay. Though. No, I am, I am proud of being unabashedly your intimate friend. Yeah, of yeah. Of being yeah. your best friend, like even saying, like there's a vulnerability in saying, you're my best friend. I love you as a friend. And there's nothing that you can do to change that. That we have a bond is ass- unlike anybody else. But, and it doesn't have to be uh, romantic or sexual for it to be extremely meaningful. And I'm very proud of what we have. Right. And,
0: and I think that's an- But it, it's different. It's an important point that you're making, which is because if you assume that in order to really be bonded with someone right. that it has to be romantic and it has to be sexual what you're doing is you're discounting the intimacy that can come from a platonic connection which is what what we have as like a brotherhood a literal blood bond like not literal brothers but we, but did, there a, was we did we did a blood oath um and i and i i, I find that and i'm not going to I'm not going to assume where that comes from because it's not it's not me, and I don't know exactly why it happens. And again, I, it, there's a point, there's a part of me that I think maybe 10 years ago there was a part of me that was a little irked by it because I was like, I don't want people to think we're gay. I, I'll speak to that too, but go ahead. That, that, that bothers me for some reason that I haven't quite explored. Now I'm in a place where I'm like, well, if, the, if people think that we're gay and that makes them like us more and want to connect with us even more, then so be it. Maybe that's good for the brand, but. Again, that's why I was a little hesitant to answer the question, but to to want to be honest and to to disclose the fact that no, I I don't think there's there would be nothing wrong with the, with us being attracted to each other. There would be nothing, it would be complicated. We would have to figure that out. Um uh, but no, it's 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 not a reality. And I and I'll get into like some I'll get into a little bit more of my own sexuality in a second, but it sounds like you want to talk to that one point. Well, I think that we're able to have as deep of a friendship bond
1: as we do because we are our desires are in the same place. We're we're very compatible in that way. It would be I agree there would be nothing wrong if one of us had a a tinge of attraction for the other one or had a desire for something more that the other guy didn't want or vice versa. And then we just had to work through it, but it would create a little bit of incompatibility in our hopes and desires for what we have, but we don't have that. So I think that has been another, just that's played out in terms of us being able to be secure and celebrate our friendship because our desires are
0: the same. Yeah, agreed. Now, there was a part of me that, you know, as I have evolved in terms of my worldview over time, you know, first of all, coming from a purity culture, coming from a place where there wasn't like being, the idea of being gay was something that not only was it wrong, but it was like, oh, that's gross. Like that was the environment that we were raised in, right? And so it was unappealing, like you didn't, you didn't want to even entertain the idea that you might. In fact, I remember in high school, there was a kid who started spreading a rumor that me and you were gay. Uh, I don't know if you know, know if you remember I this. I vaguely remember it. I think it. it was freshman year. And I was so upset about that. And it ended up being this thing that we had to go to the principal and talk to him. Really? Yeah, he had like written, he started writing like "Retin Link, love each other or something like on desks or in bathrooms or something like that. And mm. like I confronted him about it and then, so all that to say, I, as I, as I, as my Christian worldview fell away, I was like, well, I wanna like literally be, I wanna be honest with myself. Like, do I, am I, have I been pushing something down because of my, my background and the fact that it wasn't okay to be attracted to men? So therefore, I wasn't willing to entertain the idea of being attracted to men. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, if I'm just honest with myself, there was never a point and I use the Jude Law as an example as as kind of a joke, but like a handsome man like that, I can recognize when a man is handsome, but there was never a point in which I was like, and I want to kiss him, or and I want to be close with him sexually. Like that has never crossed my mind. But I was like, am I repressing something, right? And so I don't remember the first time this was, but I mean, it's been years. I was like, I'm gonna watch some gay porn. Okay. I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna watch two dudes screw each other. Not only am I a little bit interested, and in, I mean, I, I got it. I know how it works. I know that uh, the the penis goes in the the butt. I know that's how it works. <laughs> but I kind of, you know, like let's let's watch that happen, uh, and let's get some on the scale of attractiveness. Let us get some attractive men, and let's watch them have sex and 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 see if it does anything for us. Like literally, this is something that I have done, and. Uh, I watched it and was cuz here okay backing up a little bit as it we're going to talk about porn in a second but my experience with porn had always been oh I, I I'm into I'm, I'm into watching two women have sex with each other that that that's the that's the porn that I like I I don't want to let's not see that penis okay and yeah. again I was like is that is this something repressed? Like, why do uh-huh. I have a problem with a penis? Like, am I afraid that I'm gonna see a penis and be like, I want that penis. Mm-hmm. And so this was like a personal exploration into this for, for myself. And when I watched it, I was like, this is interesting. Um, Those guys look better than I do, Um, but I do not have a desire to be there. I do not have a desire to be one of them. I don't find myself being, uh. Sexually turned on and wanting to be a part of this. You didn't bookmark it. I did not bookmark it. And uh, you know, I it, at this point in my, in my life, I'm okay with I'm okay with seeing a penis. Right? It's like it's 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 there's not like an an aversion or a, I'm scared of seeing it. But it's like I have, as far as I know, I have plumbed the depths of myself and come back with I'm attracted to women. Now, one of the things that I have learned about myself Hmm. and I haven't done a lot of research about this and I'm sorry if I get terms wrong and this is always, you know, but I am attracted to trans women, right? So um, when trans women are women, that makes sense that I would be attracted to women, but a trans woman with a penis, so like I've already established how much I like vaginas and specifically vulvas. I believe that it is almost like the universe. We've been down that road. I won't go down that road again. So yes, I prefer a penis. I mean, <laughs> Freudian slip. I prefer a vagina over a penis. Uh, but the thing is, is I think that what I'm ultimately attract Like, if I was, I'm, this isn't about to happen. I'm in a happy relationship with my wife. But let's just say I wasn't and there was someone who was a trans woman that I was attracted to, because I I think I'm attracted to sort of feminine traits and the feminine presentation of someone. Uh, And I was like, man, I'm attracted to this person sexually and we get along or whatever. And then I find out, oh, she has a penis. I'd be like, well, I don't like a penis as much as a vagina. but would this be the end? Would this be the end of the world? And this would be something that it, it necessarily a showstopper? I don't honestly. I don't know. Um, I kind of think I would miss. I would really miss the vagina. But it's not that the pe- it's not really the penis that's, that's the issue for me. It's the fact that I'm just not attracted to men. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: I
1: mean, I was just trying to think of like my own experience, because I just, I just haven't thought about this stuff. It's like, I just haven't been as specifically curious about it. So it's, again, it's like, for me, it's like this, I haven't observed uh, those desires welling up or the curiosity to find out or like feel like, uh, am I suppressing anything? It's like, I just, you know, it doesn't, I'm very happy and I'm not, uh, I just haven't found myself being curious about whether I'm suppressing anything, but I feel pretty damn sure that I'm not, <laughs> because I, I I value being very open with myself and plumbing the depths of what's in me.
0: Yeah, and well, so
1: I guess all but that I to get say, all that.
0: I think it's uh, I think it's cool, man. I, I guess all that to say that we've never experimented with each other and we haven't thought about it. Um, and I I think I you know, and I and I don't. I don't know what this is going to do for the um, for the people out there who just. Ins- I will I will say, and again, I'm actually I'm not offended and I'm not hurt by it, but I will say that in general, the idea of insisting and assuming someone's sexual orientation, despite what they say. Like that's not cool. No, it's not. Uh, So, because think of switch that around and be like, you got somebody who's telling you that they're gay, and you're like, no, you're not. You're not gay. You're straight. I know you're straight. It's like that. You think about it like that. That that's not a cool thing to do. Individuals assert their own sexuality. You don't assert someone else's sexuality. Again, I know we're public figures, and it's fun for some people. Don't stop writing the fan fiction if you don't want to stop it. But just, I wouldn't make a habit of asserting or assuming someone's sexuality if they are telling you something else. That's a not cool thing to do. I think one of my journeys that can maybe can be observed,
1: I believe it can be observed online that you described that I also wanted to weigh in on was, yeah, coming from where we came from and like our fundamentalist beliefs about being gay being wrong and so, I was unwilling to make any jokes about that, or to, or to, to flirt with any humor around that area between the two of us. And once I became very accepting and removed that judgment from my own life and mind, that made and that made me more secure in 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 who I am and saying, I'm not afraid if somebody thinks that I'm gay or we're gay because I don't, it's not anything to be embarrassed about. Right. And that was a shift that, that was a journey mm-hmm. at, where I had to get to that point. And I'm very glad I got to that point. A byproduct of it was that then we could explore the, that relational tension for humor. That if people are assuming these things, or if we're as close as we are, like us exploring the tension for comedy is funny because there's no stakes. If people think that we're gay, that that's who cares? That so what? Is what I've thought. So it, it's a again, it's a it's another freedom of like we can have fun in that area as well when but it comes I, to comedy. But
0: we also don't. And again, I'm not I'm not super schooled on this, but like, we don't want to get into queer baiting as well, right? And I, don't, I know yeah, that queer I, baiting can mean a couple of different things. I've heard it defined a couple of different ways, but ultimately we don't want to use someone's assumption that we're gay to get you to click on something. But like, we will play around with the, like we know that like two straight dudes doing gay things like, <laughs> uh, or gay-ish things like when, um the Kanye and Kim video on the motorcycle and then with Seth Rogen. Right, and, and James, James Franco. Franco. Like did their thing that was like, there's a reason, and this is comedy duos have done this for years. It's like straight comedy duos have done gayish type things for comedy. And I haven't really thought about that too much and explored that, but I don't wanna get into a place where we're like, oh, we, we the fact that you think we're gay, like we're trying to capitalize on that. No, ironically, we're we're comfortable,
1: you know, being, I, I just don't even know how to characterize it because it's, it's kind of instinctual, but it was something that's like, because we celebrate the valili- validity of being gay, or, and then other things as well now, right? All of it, yeah. I accept the validity, validity of all of it, that then it gives me a freedom to say, okay, I don't need to try to act like, I'm afraid that you're going to think I'm something. No, we can just have fun with this because it's just part of, it's it's an aspect of humanity. Yeah. So it's just more it's freedom. But we are never making fun of a sexual
0: orientation. We're making fun like, of two. If we're doing that, like when we cuddle, the reason that that seems funny to us is that well we don't cuddle, right? So when two guys who don't cuddle do cuddle, right, the awkwardness is funny,
2: right? right.
0: Right. We don't think about it much more than that. Yeah. so hopefully that answers that question. Uh do with that what you will. Last question. Um from Sex Burner Account. <laughs> Someone who created it. a burner account for this question. Since y'all have talked about porn a lot in terms of growing up, how do you feel about porn now? Especially with the gradual destigmatization. uh destigmatization. St- destigmatization of sex work and usage of things like OnlyFans great question um, th-
1: there's a lot that like I personally haven't ha- haven't given too much thought I, I this is still something that's evolving for me and it's not something that I've generated a lot of energy towards like figuring out like my stance so I just want to go ahead and say that right. up front I do think that comes from um, being steeped in teaching that is like fear porn period. Like stay as far away from porn as you can. It is dangerous. It like the only messages that I got related to porn were negative. Right. And even so, even to this point, I I haven't been really motivated to um, explore the positive and empowering aspect of porn because I personally. I just haven't been motivated to do that because i still i'm i've been steeped in this i i know that you can it can be addictive and that it can it can serve an unhealthy role in your in your life especially when it relates to like your sex your sex life with your partner and it can impact that in a negative way so i'm like i'm n i am like i am I do not find myself being really motivated to figure out how to put how to like Really come to grips with porn personally, uh-huh. because I want I want to devote my uh, my energies more to like cultivating my relationship with Christy, right. and I and everything that we've been presented with within the church has only been negative. And when they would talk about it, it would it would it would be about the addiction, and you would have guys who would talk about it publicly, but they would talk about it within the context of a former addiction that they have been released from and now are protect been. Currently being protected from and protecting themselves from, and
0: a lot of our account accountability. Like you would have somebody who was like your accountability partner, or you we were accountable to each other. Like if you if you looked at porn, it was bad. This was like this was like the number one thing that Christian dudes are like confessing to each other. Yeah, is oh I looked at porn it again. It became a very uh,
1: heated fixation. Yeah, to to stay away from it. Uh, like masturbation, but it was even it was even more obvious and could and and felt like very deadly. But I have this sneaking suspicion that it that it can't you can't just apply those principles as a blanket statement. Yeah, I mean it's just like like the vilification of of alcohol. It's like saying that you can't consume alcohol at all because you will be addicted. Well, everybody is not addicted to alcohol. Everybody is not addicted to gambling.
0: I think but, this is a really good analogy. But actually. I
1: don't want to. So I have this. I am open to that also being true
0: of pornography. Well, that's one of the beautiful things about abandoning a worldview. It's not easy. It was tough. It was the toughest thing I've ever done. But the sort of being able to examine something new in a new light and on its own face, and, you know, and I think that. I have thought a little bit about this and I've not extensively and I haven't like read a whole lot about it and I don't have a lot of research but I kind of see this as there's three aspects of this, right? There's the the nature of porn itself. And that's when and then there's your personal relationship with porn and then there's porn as it relates to your relationship with your significant other. Mm-hmm. So, the first aspect, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about, but I do think that, you know, there's an ethical porn movement right now and more and more people are being sort of, imp- because traditionally there was a lot of people involved in porn who were kind of being coerced. There was people who were sex trafficked and then brought into porn. I don't know what the statistics are, but I know that there was an unhealthy environment and maybe I'd say what continues to be an unhealthy environment and maybe some not a lot of consent involved and some coercion, but we are kind of moving into a place where there's more of sort of a personally empowered, whether that be like cam girls or OnlyFans or that kind of thing, where it's just like, hey, I'm a sex worker. I'm presenting myself in a pornographic way to my fans. No one's ask, No one's forcing me into this. I'm doing it. It's a. It's I just, am in control. I am in control. So I think that I'm all for ethical porn. And how that's parsed is not something I'm an expert in, but I would say that I do believe that when it comes to issues of health, again, it's a health framework, not a moral framework for me. And so yeah. is there a way for somebody to be a sex worker in that way, in a healthy way? I think yes. And is there a way, so if you're watching
1: porn, that is, you can make choice, you can make choices that will, that will, um uh, that will support empowerment or support the the negative aspects of the industry, which is, and I and I, got, I don't know how much of that, but I think the, again I don't know how right. much is bad and, but you can you can make an ethical investigation and then uh, make a decision where you that consume your porn import that that supports
0: a healthy industry. But the thing that's more interesting to me is is your personal relationship with porn, and then your relationship as it you know as it is in in the context of a relationship. You probably have to pay for that porn, I'm assuming. Uh, like I don't know, uh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I'm so, na- well, yeah, well, yeah, like OnlyFans or whatever. Yeah. Um, so this is sort of again, this is sort of an evidence based approach to to this, and not coming from the, the evangelical mindset. One thing I do know for a fact is that the access that we have to sexually explicit images, videos, experiences that we can visually interact with or maybe even interact with in like a VR setting. Like we can have a sensory experience. It's not something that our brains adapted to be able to handle. Uh, Our brains and our bodies evolved in the context of you know, again, this is stone age hardware. And then we've got this, the modern day software that's running on them. And I think that your brain is not really equipped to see 500 vaginas over the course of a week. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. In one video? (laughs) Well, there's probably one that could, there's probably an orgy video with 500 people. I don't know what the record is, but I do think that there is something to the idea that extreme visual, sexual um, experience and sort of sensory experience. I don't know if we've quite figured out the impact that that is having on us culturally, right? And it's having on us as people. There are plenty of people who will say that, listen, yes, you can get addicted to this. Yes, you can replace a healthy sexual interaction in person with a, a online only sexual relationship. and But there's also things like expectations for your partner. If I'm having sex with my wife, but I am experiencing sexual, uh, having sexual experiences with all these other women out there and basically anything that I could ever possibly imagine, for me personally, it's kind of impossible for me not to carry some expectations into my relationship with Jesse, right? So does that mean that I I porn is completely off limits for me? No. Does it mean that I'm going to look at it whenever I want, whenever I get the urge? No, because I do believe that that I don't think that's going to have a great effect on me personally. So but kind of where I stand on the issue in terms of like how I interact with it is just like, do do have I sworn off porn altogether? No. If I am gonna look can I look at it by myself in in, in the context of my marriage with Jesse? Yes. Can she look at it by herself in the context of our marriage? Yes, she can. Um but is it something that is gonna be a regular thing that replaces my sexual interaction with Jesse? No, because I have a limited amount of sexual energy. I mean, I like to think of myself as having <laughs> a lot of sexual energy, but I have a limited amount of sexual energy. Mm-hmm. And am I going to be devoting that to myself and this sort of intimate experience with someone on a screen when I have someone who, oh, this could be something. This energy is something I could devote and direct towards Jesse. So you got to be careful about that. Yeah, at that, least that, I do. That that, right? that makes that makes sense to me. Like the alcohol
1: example. There's lots of things like as a responsible. Autonomous person, mm-hmm. I got to figure out what my what is a healthy relationship
0: with all types of things that can be very unhealthy yeah. and addictive. And I think it's interesting, you know, as I, we came up in a different time where we had basically been through puberty and- Right. We're almost sexually active, like getting married by the time like porn became this thing. And definitely you could get it on your phone and you could see any kind of sexual act that you want to on your phone. Like that's a new thing. Our kids are coming up in the context of, of that. Exactly. And so we we talk about that. It's a di- yeah, and it's a totally different conversation and I, and like, than we had. I'm not trying to attach shame to it, but I just want you to understand that like, if your only sexual outlet is porn, you know, I right. do. I do think it's a generational issue right now, where there is just so many kids who are experiencing their only sexual experience is not. It's not an interpersonal th- thing. It's a internet thing, and I just I I haven't done the research, and I don't know all the stats, but my uh, inclination is that that's not a good thing for us culturally. Is that we need to be making connections with each other. But speaking of the connections with each other and is there a role for porn in the context of a healthy relationship, I think maybe. Again, I think that this is based on consent and this is based on agreement between you and your partner. And I will say that on a few occasions, Jesse and I have experimented with like, what would it be like for us to look at porn together as we are about to or as we are engaging in sex with each other? And it's something we've done a couple of times, few times, and it's been pretty cool. And also most of the time it's like we've kind of like, it's been humorous as we've kind of like laughed because porn yeah. tends to be kind of funny, even when they're trying not to be. Um, but it could be the kind of thing It's just like, hey, let's do what they're doing. Oh, let's imitate what they're doing. It, it. To me, there's an element of it that's just like, it creates sort of an openness around the idea of sex. and. Um, can be a fun addition to the sexual menu that you have with your partner, but but it isn't the kind of thing it can inspire. Yeah, but again, that was a that was a decision that we made that I I don't even know who brought it up, and I don't even remember. I think the time that it finally happened, it may have been. I don't, I'm not, I don't wanna speak for Jesse. I, I don't remember how it happened, but it wasn't like me like sitting around being like, when you wanna watch porn together, you wanna watch porn together, I wanna watch porn together with you. And I definitely don't use that voice ever with my wife. <laughs> Gross. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it's not something that Chrissy and
0: I have ever, ever done because it's, it's just something that hasn't come up. My main point about porn is that because you can interact with porn and have a fully self-contained sexual experience, introducing that into a relationship I believe you can run the risk of becoming dependent upon that and not having an experience with one another. Whether that means you're have, you're engaging in uh, porn and masturbation apart from your partner and directing your sexual energy there, and so therefore you're not giving it to your partner, or you're now together in experiencing porn, but all your attention is being directed towards a screen versus the other person and something about the intimacy is broken. So I'm not saying I've got it figured out, and that my way is better. Well, I think just you've got it that, figured out for you. Well, I don't. Well, I don't even know that. I'm we, me, and Jesse may decide that like we don't want that at all. And the moment that she right. tells me I'm not comfortable with this, I don't like this anymore. Is right. the moment that I say, "Well, we don't do it anymore." Right, and so the
1: conversations that we have, I hope inspire partners listening to have conversations, but it more so than inspire
0: people to do the things that we're doing or not doing. Right. It's more about that communication. Like you said, like I'm not, like I don't want you to be like, well, now we gotta do this because you said that you did it. Right. It's about that. I mean, first of all, the question is about porn. And I think we, we answered it, that there there is such a thing as ethical porn. There, we do think that there are pitfalls when it comes to porn personally, and there are pitfalls when it comes to porn relationally, but also it can be an enhancement in a lot of ways but it's complicated, it's complex. And it's you can't paint it with a broad yeah, brush. No. It's individual and it's also the consent aspect both in terms of porn itself, like are the people who are doing these things are they consenting to the situation? But also in the context of your relationship, is there consent and understanding and communication? If you if you make sure you're on the right side of the issue when it comes to all those things, you'll just avoid so many pitfalls. We haven't even talked about parenting.
1: I I, I don't want to go too deep into this, but I do want to acknowledge that, like, as kids get older and they go through puberty, y- you find yourself having to deal with okay, porn is such it 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 just emanates from everywhere, uh, and it's so it's it can't just be do not do not have anything to do with it. Never see it.
0: Well because you're not that's not going to be successful. It's just
1: anyway. not going to be successful. You have to figure out a way to say these are the dangers associated with it. You're not going to be able to avoid it entirely, but you need to be you need to maintain
0: your own power and not give that over and that actually, to pornography. When- For me, that is when I'm not just like saying it's bad and I don't want to be a part of it. But when I say, well, maybe there's aspects of it that are good and I actually need to engage with it and process that, Mm -hmm. to me, that actually cuts down on my total consumption of it because it makes me engage with it in a thoughtful way. Yes. And I think that you as, know, as opposed if to you as, just tell your kids it's as, wrong they're going to do it anyway and they're going to feel guilty and they're never going to talk to you about it and they're going to keep doing it and they're going to potentially become reliant on it right and and I and, yeah. I think this
1: could that principle could apply uh in terms of like conversations with your partner as well but back to the kids I mean yes I put filters on my kids internet so that so that they couldn't stumble on porn or they couldn't get to it if they were curious and they wanted to. But at a certain age, you start to realize that they're gonna find a way to see it, even if you, even if they can't see it on everything that you have control over in your house. Yeah. And so you have to go further. You have to have these open conversations. It's When it starts with, I'm putting this thing on your computer and your phone that uh, we use Kaspersky, mm-hmm. Kids safe app, um, and it worked really well. But that's to protect kids until they get to an age where it's like now. There's not you're gonna see it, and you got to figure out how to how to deal with it. And we got to have that conversation. You, you can't have you can't you just can't have a filter on. Make them have a filter for the rest of their
0: lives. They're gonna have to make that decision for themselves. Yeah, and yeah, I think that that. I don't know. It, to me, it's it, it's one of the most exciting things. It's it, it requires more effort, honestly. It, just like we were saying with Jesse and Christy, it's it was easier as an evangelical Christian to be like, "Here's the framework that has been figured out, and I'm going to just right. put it down on you." And that's easier from a parenting standpoint. But the like, hey, let's actually engage with this. Like, you're an individual. You have certain inclinations, and you are a t- certain type of person. How will you interact with this thing, whatever it might be? Yeah, can we have an ongoing conversation about that and what's healthy for you? Um, it makes it different from kid to kid. The re- the relationships and the opportunities, and the inclinations are different from child to child, and it just becomes more involved, and it takes more time. Um, and it's more process oriented than it is sort of rule oriented um but it's the only it's, it's the only way I know to, to do it at this point um but yeah that's that's porn okay, and that's our last question so
1: I mean do you have a wreck because i was gonna I was gonna piggyback on that, but what's your
0: wreck uh I have a wreck that again my wrecks tend to not be related to what we're talking about. Um, which may or may not be satisfying. So, if you have a rec that is related to what we're talking about,
1: yeah, I was gonna. Then why don't you? Why don't re- you give I think that I've and I'll, this before or said it. So yeah, I'm gonna recommend mypleasure.com dot com if you because it gives you. It's an educational website where you can buy sex toys of all types, and you can read from qualified people, uh, including doctors, I believe. <laughs> um. About how to use these things appropriately, and uh, it's it's a great educational site. That then, if you want to sidestep the pornography part of it, that's the principle of the site is that there's none of that. So it's it yeah, separates we, we didn't talk a lot separates about... porn from sex toys, and it simplifies that equation. So you can and you can be
0: educated and be adventurous. Yeah, because we didn't ta- we didn't My really pleasure. talk a lot com. about toys. I mean, we talked about toys incidentally, but. We're we're both very big proponents of sex toys. I mean when you've been again, when you've been married for twenty years, one of the one of the ways that you continue to um, keep things spicy is you introduce new things into the bedroom and that's part of one of the great things about growing old and learning about yourself and your and your partner. Yeah. So yeah, I'm on board for my pleasure and I'll just do my other wreck uh, next week. Okay. In the meantime, we do want to remind you about good mythical evening. Again, we've been talking a lot about sex We're gonna talk about sex on Good Mythical Evening and we're gonna do a lot of other things. Um, Adult stuff. It is the adult-themed, ticketed live event on October 28th. Uh, You can get tickets at goodmythicalevening.com. It's a Good Mythical Morning where just all censorship removed. Yeah, which is something we're not uh, able to do on YouTube. And that's not something, we don't want to change what Good Mythical Morning is. But this'll be fun. But we we wanna do something a little bit different uh, just on Good Mythical Evening.
1: GoodMythicalEvening.com. Hashtag yourbiscous. Let us know as we wrapped up sep- Sextember what you think about it. And uh, we'll talk at you next week.